0: The information in this podcast is current on the day of recording. It is general advice only
1: and does not take a personal situation into account. It may not be suitable for you. Participants in this podcast may also own the stocks discussed. For a full list of current recommendations
2: and stocks owned by staff, members of Intelligent Investor can visit www.intelligentinvestor.com.au. Welcome to the final stock Take for 2020. My name's is Gaurav Sode. Joining me today are uh, analysts, uh, Mickey Morde. G'day, Mickey. G'day, Gaurav. And with us also is James Carlo. Hey, James. Hey. Well, this so is the last one, gents. I can't say it's been a pleasure this year. This, I'm, I've You're probably feeling the oh, same God. way. Everyone oh. I know is feeling the same way, but when is this going to be over? <laughs> but,
0: oh, don't want to wish it away.
2: Oh, no. Look, it's been great in terms of investing, and we'll talk about some of that, but... It has been a mentally draining year, yeah. like the most exhausting years in me, in my memory.
0: I feel as though we've been largely untouched compared to others. Yes, compared agreed. to Mickey, but also compared yes. to people around the world.
2: Oh, look, I'm I'm just more or thinking just the sheer workload as well. You know, working, um, looking at at stocks, it's just been a lot to look at, a lot to digest. And the psychological that's good though, isn't toll. it? I
0: mean, it's uh it's a it's a problem when there's
2: not things to write about. yeah, that's true we've 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 had that problem as well, yeah, but uh, I just the the psychological toll of things flying and then falling and then flying again, and uh, so much um chatter from everyone else I, I found it uh, tricky.
0: Well, it's been stressful because there's been big issues flying around, and it's been mm. uh, you know there's people have been getting angry, and you know it, it's that's quite draining i think um people you know the uh, heated conversations and debates and mm. yeah
2: i mean that does drain
0: one a
1: bit
2: yeah yeah we've we've had a few of those haven't we hey mickey what you're a bit quiet over there how are you doing oh no
1: it's yeah no it a, i guess it's a bit of a shame to kind of just um kind of look back on it and wish it was over but um like i i uh i guess it's uh it's well, the year's not over at least we are kind of coming out of it with christmas and stuff so it's still time to uh to make the most of it. Um but it was a good year I think as well um like from an investing perspective for sure and uh, like really valuable learning experiences coming from it um that I think will be very good for most investors for a really long time. So I,
2: see. I wanted to talk about this cuz I think that's the consensus for me still the most valuable lessons I've learned as an investor came in that GFC period. Um but this, there were lessons here, but I would say it's less, it's been less informative for me than the GFC was, which was really, I think, um, that's what kind of made me as an investor that period. It was genuinely frightening. I was genuinely panicked and uh, I learned so much from there. This this time was a bit different. Um, let's talk about that for a moment, actually, gents. Um, March was one of the, the most acute falls in the market ever certainly um, the sharpest that we've seen in our investing lifetimes. Mickey, I remember at one point you making you making a comment saying, how did you guys get through the GFC? Because I'm finding this quite exhausting when I think we were, we were down like 30% in the space of two weeks or something. Yeah,
0: it was – I mean, that's the thing. I think it was the sharpest fall ever. I mean, the GFC yeah. ground down for, yeah, which for is a why year was so or hard. more. Whereas, and that was draining. Whereas this, you know, you blinked and you missed it. I mean, it, it was – two weeks and it fell 40% or something.
1: Well, I think Gorev wrote back and he said something like, oh, this is worse because we can't even see anyone. Um, so it's like a GFC that could kill you or something. I think it was <laughs> yeah, the hospital.
0: Yeah, well, um, fortunately the threat to our lives sort of in Sydney anyway went away reasonably quickly. But um...
2: Yeah, that was one of the tricky parts because during the GFC, I mean, I was quite new to professional investing. In fact, I no, I hadn't joined yet. I, I was doing my private investing and I hadn't really built a network of other investors. And, and so I felt as though I had to go through that experience on my own and I was quite inexperienced. And this time I've actually got a great network and I couldn't really put it to use because we couldn't really see anyone. And I guess there's always the phone, but it doesn't, doesn't work quite the same as going out and, and seeing someone.
1: And that made it hard. I remember a good good month or two period where I was just calling people every day and I was just going, What the hell is going on? And they were going, What the hell is going on? <laughs> Everyone was just no one. <laughs> everyone's going, What do you think's gonna happen? And they're going, What do you think's gonna happen? Just you know, no one no yeah. one Yeah, it was uh it was a pretty frantic period. Um, but it was good to good to have those chats at the time because it was pretty um daunting just being on your own and watching uh, you know, stocks falling 20% a day sometimes. Mm. Um, and so, and, and just having to, um, face that I think was, was, was really challenging, but yeah.
2: Well, are you happy with the way you dealt with it in the teeth of the crisis gents? This is, I mean, this is a good chance to look back at what was a really sharp and painful down, down draw and, and think about how we reacted. So JC, let's begin with you. What? How do you? How did you react? And were you happy with your subsequent actions?
0: Um, yeah, I, I think. Um, so I suppose to start with, I think I prepared well. So I had a decent amount of liquidity, um, basically spare capacity on my mortgage um, uh, going into it all because prices were pretty high in January and February, and so I'd taken advantage of some of those. Um, and I suppose that's the starting point. Um, and but then I. I I count myself a bit lucky, really, because I, I then I promptly sort of doubled my portfolio as the market was falling, um, and that's and that's really worked out quite well. But I really, with hindsight, had no idea what was actually coming to us. I mean, that you could see the pandemic. I think no, everyone could see the pandemic coming, but I had no idea about lockdowns. Mm. I mean, that was totally new to me. I I bought Sydney Airport and Auckland Airport. The day before our borders were closed, and yeah. in New Zealand, and to, oh, I forget, we were one day after the other, and and, and New Zealand's borders were closed, um, and I did, I didn't, I didn't see that happening, uh, but I think most of the market did, so uh, so I got the cheap prices, uh, but but there was a there's a bit of luck there, um, so yeah, I suppose. It, Preparation, having that liquidity when prices are high mm. and and then being prepared to act when prices look very cheap, even if you don't quite know what's coming, uh, has worked out pretty well.
2: Well, I think of of everyone in the team, JC, you were probably the most calm. And I remember... Well, I, mean, I was probably the you, most blind. <laughs> I think this was what I was saying to you. I think you and I... I, I we was did. We had that podcast
0: very, where you said, yeah. you. I remember you saying, Italy's just locked down. And I'm saying, oh... Italy's
2: not going to lock down. I yeah, I remember it.
0: you saying, and uh, and I <laughs> yeah, was yeah. Um, completely wrong. But um, you know, everyone's locked down, and uh, but look, I, that may have worked to that, to you. But, <laughs> because you, well, may maybe, but, but yeah, I mean, you kept
2: your, you your cool and doubled. I mean, that's extraordinary yeah. that you doubled your portfolio.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, prices were very, very cheap. I mean, yeah. you, I was falling over myself buying stuff because. Everything didn't seem too bad. I mean, look, I mean, obviously there was going to be a pandemic. People were going to die, but uh, which is, you know, obviously that's a, a very terrible and sad thing, but I, I, I never, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, but I never imagined that we were going to be locking down society in the way that we have. Mm-hmm. Um and and the funny thing is that actually in the end that that locking down of society ended up not being quite as bad for stocks as as was initially anticipated mm-hmm. but we'll come on to that in a moment. So mm-hmm. look I think I was a, a, a bit lucky but you, I you know at the same time you make your own luck so I was I, I was in a position with a decent amount of liquidity mm-hmm. and and that's probably the starting point for a lot of this.
2: Mickey I don't want to put words in your mouth but I feel as though this may have been your first really big panic that that you've seen. And uh, this might be, it would have been quite confronting for you. How how did you go during March?
1: Yeah, well, I I was kind of similar to JC. I think my experience kind of rhymes with his a a lot because I I think in um, the fear of the pandemic didn't hit me until kind of really, really late. And I think much later than most people. And I didn't anticipate the government response either. And so I'm kind of twiddling my thumbs even kind of at end of February, early March, and then all of a sudden it just went, you know, from zero to a hundred, the market was plummeting. Virus was killing everyone in Italy. The economy was shutting down. Um, everyone was bearish. And I just remember all of a sudden, you know, I just had this moment of terror, um, and just kind of everything (laughs) dawned on me and I'm like, Oh, we've got to start buying some groceries and masks and gloves and sanitizer (laughs) and start stocking up on all this stuff in mid March. Um, I was but racing I, around
0: trying to buy sanitizer. Do you remember that? It was, everyone was I, sold out. I, I think <laughs> I, I found a few on like
1: yeah. a bottom shelf at Bunnings and I'm like, yes, I got it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was, um, it was, it was pretty, it was a pretty good lesson in how that fear can just grip you all of a mm. sudden. Um, and I remember just having that feeling and just remembering everything I've ever read about investing. It just says that this is the time when you want to be looking at buying and stocks were down 70, 80%. and, I think just you know I think people you know experience the GFC we're waiting for things to get even cheaper mm. thinking you know you might be able to buy great quality businesses on single digit multiples but I, you know I was looking at a lot of these stocks and thinking you know these were pretty great opportunities so I was pretty bullish in March as well um, same as JC and I think you know I think the same as probably most of the team and fortunately you know bought a bought a lot of stocks and I figured if it didn't work out, well, you know, I can just keep saving money and I've I'm, I'm, I got, I got a long time to work and save it back up anyway. So.
2: So did you double your portfolio like JC did?
1: Uh, well, I, yeah, put it, put it fair. I didn't double it, but I think at that time it had I, fallen. I reckon like, I only well,
0: probably added two thirds, by the way, just <laughs> I feel as though I don't want to. Yeah. Um, well, at, at the, the time pudding,
1: it, had, but... it had fallen. I think at the at the worst, it probably fallen 60% my personal um stock. Mm. So, uh, you know, it wasn't hard to actually increase my position sizing at that point, but I did luckily have some access to to some cash, and so I managed to put put a bit into the market. Um, at the at, in March in particular.
2: Right. So good. you did feel the panic, but you also recognised the opportunity on the market, right?
1: Yeah. Well, I didn't know that that was going to work, but I, I mean, there was a lot of stocks as well that you could see that. Like even if you they weren't making money for any revenue for twelve months, they had the balance sheet to to ride it out. Um, and so if you just looked on a stock specific basis, and you just went, well, this business is still going to be around. There was a lot of kind of easy pickings, I think, at that time. Mm. Um, even though it was a bit scary, um, I just remember feeling the fear and 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 kind of wanting to get into the market at that point. So, mm. yeah,
2: yeah, I I didn't. I didn't panic as much as I thought, actually. During the GFC, it was properly scary. I had a good, proper panic at that stage. I had a much smaller portfolio. And as I said, I wasn't working professionally as an investor, but I had a good, proper panic at that stage. And we've done a lot of work as a team, in fact, about um, looking back at the GFC and trying to learn lessons from it. And I've done a lot personally about trying to do the same. And I think I was really well psychologically prepared for this. Um, I actually I, I did buy um JC, you, you helped out a lot because I was actually shocked at your um uh, less if uh, yes, a, <laughs> I think, your optimism, I mean, yeah. About yeah well, because I was not, pretty like pessimistic about the virus, yeah. but at the same time, I knew and you could feel a sense of panic in the streets, right? I remember my. All the parents at my daycare, um, the you know, but the teachers at my family daycare, they wanted to close the whole thing down. You could see the the panic and the shopping, like I could see it everywhere. And but
0: like Mickey says, that that you know that all of those things are true, but that doesn't necessarily. And this is, I think, what you've got to think about is is that you know. None of that was really really meant that corporate Australia was worth 40% less. I mean that's yes. that's the that's the bottom line of this. And and there were, as Mickey says, there were a lot of stocks which, you know, might not be earning any revenue for a little while. And that's suddenly that's how we had to look at things, which was a pretty extraordinary mm. in itself. But um, something like Ale, I would say, is one of the best ideas of the year, even though it, the returns from it haven't been as as strong as from other stocks. You know, at the bottom around $4. Um, that was, you know, because it wasn't going to stop losing any, it, it wasn't going to lose any rent. And, uh, you know, the rent keeps coming in and um, it would have been happy to renegotiate its contracts because, the, it, 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 because then uh, they'd have gone back to a market level. And, you know, it was just in a very, very strong position um, and looking very cheap.
1: Well, it took it took a bit of courage to upgrade a few things. I think back yeah. in those days, like the, you know, like the Webjet. I think you kind of, I think uh, at the time, JG said that you don't have to be a hero, James. So he's, um, <laughs> yeah. we're all a bit scared of upgrading Webjet. Well, but that, that but like that's the thing. The, you do have yeah. to. I
0: mean, look, I suppose, but Webjet was more directly affected, of course. I mean, and and actually, looking back, Ale did have that short term financing risk. It had to actually uh, refinance some mm. debt uh and but once it had done that that was i think the opportunity there and it was still down around four bucks at that point um but uh yeah was, sorry Gaurav the... i interrupted you you Did were you... talking about the panic in the streets <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, closing good, just to finish
2: that point i i was just um i just want to say that there was the you could feel the panic in the streets and my investor brain just kicked in and you know years of, of reading books and hearing uh who was it was it um jp morgan i mean the jp morgan who who said you know Do you want to buy? oh no rothschild it was rothschild who said you want to buy when there's when there's blood on the street and you could feel panic on the street and i just remember thinking this is it like this is the time when we should be when the stuff. cannons
0: are firing i think isn't that what you you
2: thinking? would know I, I don't know I, really, <laughs> I there was it, it was <laughs> yeah. something to that effect and, and templeton looking, john
0: templeton talked templeton, about you're right. when Thank the bullets yeah. start firing but that he was cribbing off rothschild i think
2: yeah but, uh, but in any case, I, I remember thinking that was the time. Um, and, look, let, let's talk about what we did well and what we didn't do well. I, I still have pangs of regret about not upgrading or buying um, PWR. It, it's a business. It's been one of my favorite stocks for many years. It's gone to the dragons then twice, and I can't convince anyone else about it, but I actually really like the company. If you want to know more about it, I've written up it up as an ideas lab. The stock code is PWR. Um, PWH is the stock code. So it's worthwhile um, reading that article. It basically makes cooling systems for, um, for formula one cars and all the formula one had shut down. So the share price had collapsed, They had a little bit of debt and I, and I thought they would have to raise capital because they weren't getting any revenues. They had a little bit of debt. They got quite a large fixed cost base and they can't let staff go. They have a factory production facility. And so I was sitting there waiting for the cap raise and um You know, when you've got these really strong businesses with strong histories and and founders in charge, they just find a way. He found liquidity from somewhere, plugged the gap, kept on going, never raised capital. And the share price is now 2.5 times what it was. Uh, you know, six months ago. it's um, Gina, it... Gina
0: that, that, that's one of the lessons for me is that um, we'd learned from the GFC to be terrified of businesses raising capital. Yes, good point. And yes. any company that's going to have to raise capital, you're taught to just really wait until that yeah. happens because, yeah. you know, the, the problem is that the market, like West Farmers, I remember, in the GFC, the market oh, chases yeah. the share price down until, yeah. so you get diluted and you di- get diluted. Um, and there were a few stocks that raised money very cheaply, like Webjet and Flight Centre. But overall, the experience was that good companies, you know, I think investors could see an end point to this. Like in the GFC, mm-hmm. it, it just wasn't clear how... We could have been in a depression for years. It, it wasn't quite clear how that was going to play out. Whereas this time around, I think investors were saying, right, so this company is a quality company underneath. It just needs a year's worth of liquidity or whatever.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: And so I think that the capital raises and I, I suspect there was a bit more cash floating around anyway um and so the capital raises didn't really damage a lot of businesses in the way that um they they did back in the
1: gfc but, yeah. but also i think cuz like the credit markets probably stayed open um, cuz yeah cause yeah of
0: refinancings the- were easier yeah Companies so were really extending their debt and, and yeah, that's right. They were getting waivers on the, I mean, covenant waivers were not really a thing in
2: uh, in uh, the GFC. I don't and think. banks were in good condition this time going into this market. Yeah. They had yeah. really good um, coverage ratios and, and they seemed to be prepared to step in.
1: It does make you think though, like if, if um, after this pandemic, you know, with businesses not making any money, uh what like what could potentially kill the economy it's almost it's like with it's just hard to think of anything but um you know it's just all this government intervention doesn't seem to have any consequences and well the consequences
0: about, are and this is the thing i think the consequences are to the taxpayer for the next 60 years and yeah. and and that doesn't necessarily that that slows down growth mm um, and that slows down, and that keeps interest rates low. But that then plays into the ratings of these high-quality companies. So the, I yeah. think the the, the, yeah. the the strange thing is that high-quality um, companies uh, don't actually have as much to fear as as one might have thought from from a from a devastated economy, because you know there's there's little other option to 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 um, make it, make a yield. Mm. So the kind of what, yeah,
2: and the point about Capra, Just getting back to that cap raise point, um, fellas, that, um, I mean, there was a lot of talk in the team and amongst other people I was speaking to about, um, you know, um, targeting businesses with high debt loads that were going to have to raise capital. You know, buying a little stake. I bought little stakes in a couple of businesses, Center Group, one of them, expecting a cap raising. Um and then just it didn't come and when, when it <laughs> you did you have got a tiny stake in you made 60% <laughs> <in America. laughs> yeah we'll
0: play the brokerage runner
2: yeah i just wanted to make the point about cap raises that um that you we're sitting there waiting for all these high debt high debt businesses to raise money and many of them never did that and even if they did do that um Everyone else, all other shareholders were trained to buy those SPPs and they were always oversubscribed and they were never the opportunity they were in the GFC. And I think that's that's an important point to remember for next time is that...
0: Well, you were also scaled, weren't you, to the size of your holding, whereas in the GFC, everyone was allowed to buy, you know, you only had to have $500 worth of shares and you could buy 15 grand's worth, whereas... with this, everyone got scaled back. Depending, everyone on had the learned of from the GFC off.
2: that there was yeah. a great opportunity, and everyone—I think everyone—was well. And companies
0: the, had learned and didn't yeah, want probably. to, uh, yeah, and so structured things The final a bit
2: point about the cap raises, and then we'll move on to uh, your guys' uh, things that you learned from your uh, mistakes. Is is that um, founder-led companies are loath to raise capital, and I didn't think about that at the time. But the reason PwI didn't raise capital is because the keys wheel who's the founder and md he owns 30 percent of the stock and such a good name oh such a good name isn't it i know it's (laughs) worth buying just for that and he doesn't want to dilute himself and i think that's true of, of lots of fantastic founder companies that they they find another way whereas if you're a hired gun your job is really risk mitigation and you're quick to raise capital even when it might not be all that necessary I'm going to remember that for next time. Um, Mickey, what was your uh, biggest error in, in the in the uh, in, in the pandemic, and what, yeah. what did you learn from it?
1: Well, I think um, I think so. There's because I kind of thought about it, and I thought you know it wasn't like because I you could have I think more so in the preparation stage, and then you kind of go well the market fell forty percent, and you always wish you had more cash at that moment mm. um, so that you could have bought more, but then you know, you don't really want to hold cash over the long term because it's the lowest returning asset class and that's fairly reliable to to think that's going to continue. Mm. Um, So you don't really want to hold large levels of cash. I think the main thing that I really want to learn about um, is is kind of, uh, you know, protection um, in terms of maybe, you know, options or something like that and I think even even that strategy has some drawbacks because you know it's just insurance and you know over time if you can afford to insure yourself then um, you should do that but, uh, but, if, but if, if sometimes um, well like if sometimes that protection gets cheap then uh, such as like you know you had this big lead-up period where you could see the pandemic was coming, mm. there was a chance that you could have actually gotten out ahead of it. The market still wasn't aware of it. Um, and you could have actually bought like some protection quite cheaply. Um, this is and known not-
2: as the Hempton strategy now, right? This is exactly what John Hempton did.
1: Yeah, and I think Ackman as well. And there was a few mm. other guys as well. And so that was something I'd never really yeah. considered just being right. a long term buy and hold type investor. But I think if you use it wisely and use it at specific times, um you but might really, be able but, to but, do something with that.
0: But the, the thing is that being long and then having some sort of protection or put option or whatever just then turns that long position into a cash position or or, or part of it. It it brings you toward back towards that cash position. So so it's not particularly different. I think the reason for protection is, is because for capital gains tax purposes or whatever, you can't get out of your, or you don't want to get out of your, you know, um, your, your, your winning positions. So, mm. you, but, you, but, but, yeah. you know, essentially it's, it's no different taking all of that aside. It's no different than, than reducing yeah, and I, being I, in cash. I, is it?
1: I don't, I don't, um, I'm not kind of advocating for potentially having like a, a put, um, you know, puts all the time and just rolling that all the time and paying for it all the time, because that would just be a massive drag. But, you know, in that specific scenario, that's the same as what people say
0: with cash, isn't it, as well? <laughs> they say, oh, now's the time to have a bit of cash, but... Uh, no,
1: but in, yeah. in that specific scenario, you know, so if in February you saw that this pandemic was coming, you saw what happened in China, you saw that there was a tail risk that, you know, governments were shut down here, and you could see that you could buy that protection cheaply. Um... You know, I don't I don't think that was a silly strategy at all. I think mm. that was a pretty pretty smart strategy. Yeah.
2: Point taken. That's something I didn't consider beforehand. And I heard um, Hampton
1: did a great podcast. I forget where he did it,
2: but he explained his thinking and the mechanism of doing that. It was it actually led to him. I think he was the best performing fund manager during the mm. that period and that
1: strategy had a lot to do with it.
0: I reckon I reckon that's a dangerous dangerous game to get into, not something.
1: You, you probably know, wouldn't I be able would be to do advocating. it again. Maybe you couldn't. Maybe you couldn't well, it's like, time in replicate the market, it next it, really? time. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, buying futures and options and whatnot um, is a dangerous game on both sides of the equation, long and short. But there yeah, we that's mine. yeah. Well, thoughts.
1: I don't know. It, it's just something to think about. Uh, you know, I don't own any options. It's not something that I have done in the past. But it's something to think about. I think at least to to, yeah. to consider.
2: I think the the point there is that the um you know the market was pricing in one probability of a, of a tower risk and the world was giving you evidence for a different probability and yeah. that made it a bit more interesting I, I tend to agree well so
0: a good time to take so, if, so if that's your thinking then a good time to take some profit and sit on some cash but yeah. no, well, i don't so see the, the, was, the cash Stays at
2: their level X, and and if you take a put option, you could actually make money from that. And I think that's yeah. depending on how aggressive you are. I guess.
1: So it's just like you're substituting an option for a stock, and the and the option is mispriced. The option is the mispriced asset, basically. Yeah. Well,
0: um, yeah, but judging that yeah. is a difficult thing. Anyway, look, I think we're probably. yeah,
2: anyway, yeah okay. AC, <laughs> <So the>, uh, <laughs> what about you? Um, something you learned from uh, an error or something that went wrong during that. Um,
0: well, I think the main thing probably was was this. Um, well, first of all, the luck. <laughs> um, back in back in March, but I, I think I mean you see, having doubled in or near near doubled in in uh, March or February March, um, I then halved again in in uh, sort of May June, um, because uh, you know everything had bounced and I was then uh, extremely worried about what lockdowns were were doing, um, having. You know, recognise that they were a thing, um, and I suppose so. I so I sold. If you know, if I'd have done much better, if I'd have held on to everything. But um, yeah, I think what I what I missed is that the situation for the whole economy isn't necessarily going to be the situation for the stocks. So, um, despite my concerns about what might, and I still have them, what might um, happen to the global economy and the Australian economy for the next, you know, decades really. Um, that doesn't have to mean that stocks will do badly and in, in fact it you know if it's going to keep a lid on interest rates then of course their ratings go up and that's what we've seen and um so I I got in a bit I was a bit lucky to get in early and uh and I got bumped out probably a bit early as well um but overall it's it's um it's been okay and I'm, I'm I've got a bit of liquidity now so uh if things go go bad again I'll be all right
2: well let, let's flip that and um Let's talk about what one idea or, or one trade that went really well and, and what you learned from that. Uh, Mickey, let, let's start with you.
1: Uh, well, nothing really stands out in particular. I mean, they were um, all so good. No, well, no, I'm kind of like you, it kind of, it's kind of the ones i missed that tend to haunt me. Um, You know, it's, it's like the looking at ARB, which is now tripled because we didn't want to oh, pay a dollar more for it. Um, I know,
2: I know, that's painful.
1: <laughs> uh, You know, also, you know, there's, there's plenty of those, but um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe AML, like from, from the publication perspective, I guess, Um, probably maybe AML, you know, just writing that one through Um, and now mm. it's kind of back above where. Um, almost out back above our highest buy price now. Um, mm. So just enduring that eighty percent drawdown and kind of coming through the other side, it was pretty wow. pretty intense. But I am um, happy stopped. that
2: what a tale that there's a whole podcast just about EML during the the pandemic because that was hmm. the, the craziest ride.
1: Oh uh, it's it was um yeah it was it was it was um it was pretty. Pretty crazy but it was um it was also just another one of those ones where you could see that the, the the market was just getting it wrong and um well I actually at one stage with the acquisition going through you weren't sure what was going to happen with that yeah, and that that was right. the that was the fear um they were going to get stuck with this debt and no one knew how that was going to end up but um fortunately uh that's what one of the good things about having good management mm-hmm. in place Tom Cregan he managed to renegotiate that deal on much better terms and mm. So um, fortunately, it all worked out um, well, and hopefully some members managed to buy some um, as it fell.
2: Yeah. No, look, I, I completely agree. The, the impact of good management at, at, in normal times is, is often hidden and maybe small, but you really see the impact of, of good management in times of crisis. And mm. email is a good example. Um, the other one I was thinking of was LaVisa because that had mm. a similar trajectory yeah. to email. Yeah. It was at, what, $14, dollars <laughs> million pre-pandemic and it fell all the way down to two bucks and
1: yeah
2: i it was one of my, it's one of my biggest holdings la personally um and i wasn't the analyst that on the stock at the time and uh, i remember that was the one stock i was looking at thinking oh dear because you could just <laughs> see a really bad outcome for that it's predominantly um it's it's all um in store there's very small online um part of that business the model isn't really set up for online at all and the, the the, the whole set up for shopping
0: centre footfall, isn't it? That's what exactly. it's set up for, yes. which, <laughs> which, which exactly was looking pretty scary happen. for a time. Yeah. But I guess that's the thing, you know, it was able to ride it out. So. And
2: the growth the growth there was, was what well, the entire investment case is really based on a store rollout. And you can't really do that when you have lockdowns for an extended period of time. So um, there was so much bad news. Everything was negative, And I felt negative, but I still bought the stock. Uh, the best thing I did was buying the Visa stock at 3 and $4. And I felt physically sick doing it. It was already a large position for me, and it had fallen so much. But I don't. I can't even tell you why I bought it. It was just a, a raw contrarian instinct um, to buy that thing at that price. But I tell you, all my. It's been that single trade has been responsible for so many of my gains. Well, think about it now. Buying it three or four bucks, a decent chunk, and it's now twelve dollars. It's been. Um, it's been terrific, and it's. And it was down to buying into the teeth of the panic, not trying to buy the safest stock necessarily, but one that I understood well, one that I knew had um, best-in-class management, an owner that had a lot of money on the line himself, um, and and superb economics for, well, that's, for recovery.
0: That's where you you made it. Um, in my opinion, is that you understood it well. That, that's the key to it. So you, right in that moment where it was all going wrong for it, yeah. you had that knowledge, you knew it well enough. I looked at La Visa at that point, and I've never really, I mean, look, I've read the articles. Um, I've, I've never really understood it, and I didn't quite understand the situation mm. um, with the leases, and I was just too frightened. Um, and uh, I mean, look, it's something I don't really buy retailers anyway, so I've probably never bought it. But mm-hmm. um, you know, I I think the, the the trick is here that you've got to you've got to do the work on stocks yeah. beforehand to to know um, what to buy and and when when it, when it's as sharp a fall as that and a sharp a bounce.
2: And sometimes, you know, you often hear these voices saying. Um, you know, to buy, to do the, the sensible thing. And, and the sensible thing at that stage was probably not to buy La visa. I, I just, you know, I, I just think sometimes there are some points and some trades where being sensible isn't the optimal strategy. Um, as I said, it was very hard to make a positive case for La visa, but the only things I knew was management was fantastic. This is actually a terrific business in normal times. And the price just paid, no regard for any of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so and, and those are
0: all that's 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 all very sensible. Then I think with with the you know with the benefit of hindsight here as well. But you understood it well enough to know that that uh, you know a, a few months and and also it had a, a um, Blundy, the backer didn't isn't he? Yeah, there? Yeah, and so there there was reason to believe that he would t- take care of shareholders, yeah. i.e., himself, himself. And, yeah, um, yeah. And and you know there was potential there was a, a way that it could raise a bit of liquidity if it needed to yeah, i think the,
1: as well there was a there was a day there um gaurav because i remember we were all talking about it um over email one day and mm. i think um there was just a bunch of margin calls on the visa and that's when it kind of got down to that two dollar yeah. level like, i think it um, fell 30 percent in a day actually. yeah uh, it was yeah. just crazy that, that
2: and, was i think i had bought i had bought the day before <laughs> and then it <laughs> fell more 30%. Oh, Ooh, yeah. Awful, but I was okay because I was actually prepared to lose money. And that's the other thing. I think sometimes you got to be prepared to lose money. And I think, JC, you did this really well during this period. I remember speaking to you about these travel stocks, and you seemed perfectly content to own them through the panic and watchful for the other side. And that's probably the right attitude to take. You got to be prepared to wear losses um, for a little while.
0: Yeah. I mean, I was a bit lucky. I mean, Flight Center, I came to after it raised money. Um, Webjet, I came to and published an article the day before it raised money. Uh, and and the thing about Webjet is that I sort of worked out um, its working capital position. I sort of had it sort of, I thought I understood it reasonably well, and I thought that it could avoid it, which is laughable with hindsight. But um you know, I was thinking of, of it being shut down for six or 12 months or, you know, that sort of, you know, with hindsight, it was going to need to be, you know, operating at a very low level for well over well over a year. That's going to be how it turns out, isn't it? So, um, yeah, so I, I got that for
2: the best, for the best, best oh, trade?
0: My best, my best idea for the... Um, Are we talking about best idea, best trade oneself or best idea for the, I mean, I think my best idea for the, for the newsletter, funnily enough, hasn't actually done that well. I mean, um, Altium was probably my best upgrade, I would say. I mean, look, Flight Mm. Center and Webjet have done better. Altium, I wanted to buy closer to 40 bucks in January, February, but you guys uh, held me (laughs) off, knocked me back. And uh, so so it was 28 before we upgraded it, which is good. Mm. Um, And it's now only 34. So it's, it's not. Really, done what everything else has done, but it, it's uh, I think it's a really high quality stock um, with a great opportunity in front of it. Um, it's a whole different level of quality, um, mm. than uh, Flight Center and WebJet, and uh, so uh, so I think, um, it's uh, that one's a, a reminder for me not to be too afraid of current pricing metrics, mm. um, when, when you've got such a great company with a, with a great opportunity, but um. Having said that, you know, the reason we were able to buy it was because you guys knocked me back, uh, largely based, I think, probably on current pricing metrics. So there we go. Um, got a bit lucky possibly with that. I could have upgraded it at $38. I wouldn't be looking so smart. Uh,
2: All right. Well, it looks like Australia is through the worst of the pandemic. Everyone's got their fingers and toes crossed. Um, and we can probably now have a think about what comes next. Fellas, what has been the most enduring change for you in your personal life and also in your investing life JC let's let's start with you
0: ah uh, look i'm i'm going to be quite quite boring i think because uh, I, i've been was talking about this the other day and i would say that of everybody in the world quite possibly i've been as least affected um, as, <laughs> as anybody by yeah, the that's pandemic probably true. Um, That's you know, we, we, we in Australia, um, I think we were very fortunate that it yeah. hit uh during our summer, um, but we've also followed the policy that we've followed uh well. Um, I'm not not, not a fan of lockdown, so I don't want to get into that, but but if you're going to do it, then w- what we've done is we've done it well. Um, so look, we've been largely unaffected compared to um, other people. Uh, you know, folks down in Melbourne. But, but beyond that also, I think, um, you know, there's estimates that tens of millions of people are going to be dying of um, starvation. Um, so, I, I you know, I don't want to say, I, I, I feel as though I've been pretty much entirely unaffected in my own personal life. Wow.
2: And has anything changed with the way you approach stocks? Has your investing psychology altered at all? Has your method changed?
0: No, it's, I mean, it's re-emphasized the benefits of quality. Although, um, as I think I said in my analyst interview on the site a little while ago, I mean, that's being tested at the moment. Quality stocks have um, got as much of a premium over uh, cheap stocks um, as they've probably ever had. So um, we'll see how that plays out. But I mean, on the whole, I think um, there's something to be said for quality. Um, and and but, but overall, it's... Um, it's been a reminder to expect the unexpected. Uh, you know, the, the the lockdowns just blew me away. I, I had no idea that that was even mm. a thing. Mm. Um, and uh, But then also um, the, the recovery in, in the market has been astonishing. You know, the fact that the market, <laughs> the market couldn't care in the least if the economy is going to be smashed and we're going to have, you know, government balance sheet, balance sheet doesn't necessarily matter to, to stocks because, because if they lose in the growth, they gain in the rating. And that's an interesting thing. I
2: think. Mm-hmm. Um, Mickey, what about you?
1: Uh, well, from, um, from an investing perspective, I think there's a couple of, couple of takes, takeaways. Um, I think one of them in particular is probably just thinking about risk. And so, um, you know, if you go through the risks of a company, um, you might think about these things and you go, well, there's going to be recessions, natural disasters, you know, climate change. Um, but often you don't really think about it enough. And uh, so I think what what you have to do is realise that, you know, these kinds of events are going to come along every five, ten years and um, – they're not just they're not just something that you read about in a prospectus they're actually real things that have real impacts on the business and um, if you roll the dice enough they eventually you know they will happen mm-hmm. and so you have to invest on that basis and so I think it just it just pulls you more into the quality pulls you more into businesses with good balance sheets good management teams I think the longer term you think um, the more you you think that way and so yeah just thinking about those risks and um, I think second lesson would just be, you know, just always trying to think from first principles because, you know, you, you tend to kind of lean on pre- precedents or try to mm. oversimplify. Yeah. So like we, mm. we, we looked at like SARS and we yeah. expected a quick pounds back and then we looked at the GFC and everyone was expecting really, really low mm. net cash kind of multiples, but it's always different and nothing ever looks exactly the same. So you just always have to think from very ground level, first principles and um, try to try to figure out exactly what's true and not try to look at the past or um, try to lean on anything else. So. I love
2: that point, uh, Mickey. That, that is fantastic. Um, yeah, I haven't really thought about that before, but when you said it, it really rang true to me because I think that's what everyone did, right? It's, like, it's mm. exactly what we all... That kind of explains the entire craziness of the market movements is because everyone first looked at stars and then looked at the GFC and neither of those comparisons were the right ones.
1: Mm, yeah. Yeah.
2: Nicely made. Um, what about personally? I mean, you've had a difficult time over there in Melbourne. You, you only moved oh, down man. there just before the <laughs> pandemic. It's yeah, I timed it
1: really well. So I moved back in Melbourne yeah. uh, to, to Melbourne in January and then bang, um, lockdowns. So um, now I'm just a bit angry. I'm a bit angry at um, at uh, at the situation. I'm a bit angry at the the lost time and kind mm. of the, the ineptitude and mishandling of the whole situation. And I don't know, I feel like, I don't know, I feel like, I feel like it's uh, it's unfortunately not something that we can change now. Um, But, you know, I think overall, as JC was saying, you know, we've got it pretty good here, even so. And so you've got to just um, try to...
2: Have any of your, any of your personal behaviors altered or anything you're doing differently? Not
1: really. Like, I mean, cause I was already working remotely. I mm. mean, I think I, you know, I was going, I had a better routine obviously when I wasn't confined to my home, but I think most of my things will go back to normal. The only difference probably is in, you know, I used to go get some exercise at the, at the gym sometimes, but then during the lockdowns I bought my own equipment. So maybe i I'm looking at potentially cancelling that. Um, so, but I, um, other than that, you know, I, I think as soon as the restrictions are fully ended, you know, I'm already pretty much back to a normal routine. I'll probably get back into the office two or three times a week as I was. So, mm. yeah, nothing too, too different for me long term.
2: Look, I've got to say a few things, uh, behaviours have changed for me. So, I, I was probably a bit lax with um, hand washing and things like that. And has completely altered. I, I think I will. All, you I've are never kidding had me, Gaurav. You're a crazy <laughs> hand washer. <laughs> How were you lax before? Well, I never had sanitizer in the house. Never. You always I mean, had it in the office. Oh, yeah. I used it in the office. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're right. My office behavior is different to my home behavior. That's because I work. I know. That's because you've got the young children. In the office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, you, it's an interesting point. I think it's because I generally try and keep the house quite clean. Um, and I don't feel the need to sanitize everything. Just all us
0: filthy people yeah. in the yeah. all, 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 you, all you guys. Yeah, I <laughs> see what happens in the
2: kitchen. <laughs> but I think sanitizer now is a permanent fixture in my life. I will always wear a mask on public transport, I think. Um, just really? every day. I really? think so. I think so, yeah. Even
1: if you're the only person on the public. No, transport.
2: no, no, no. Not, not if I'm the only person, but if I'm traveling in a crowded train, like I'll have. And is that to bad. protect others or to protect yourself? No,
0: myself. But they don't, I mean, get yeah, I don't, I don't know that. And there's, oh, look, there's evidence to say that you actually want to get a few little infections here and there. Yeah. You don't want to protect yourself completely or your oh. immune well, system. I've got, that I got some
2: little children and uh, they, they, I'm sure they'll they give, they like give them you them plenty. Them that's right. You are, yeah. That's, uh, yeah, It's been remarkable that, that, um, you know, the trains for me have still been pretty packed um, and, Because I just careful at what I touch, and you know, I I wear the mask. I I haven't gotten anything, not even a sniff. I think it's
0: what you touch far more than uh, well. Well, It's not uncomfortable. It's it's hard to to know. Yeah,
2: Um, and and I just look at over in Asia where um, they have the most experience with these things, and you don't get on a train in in Korea or in Japan without wearing a face mask. Was
1: that even pre pre pandemic? Absolutely pre pandemic. I live in
2: I live in the North Shore, and there's there's a big. asian community here even even well before the pandemic seeing you know five percent of train passengers wearing masks was was the norm Mm. and i think i'm going to join that that five percent makes you
1: think were we just that naive here in the west or something i guess maybe Uh, perhaps
2: yeah Uh, the other thing for me that's changed is is just the um uh work from home situation i i probably preferred being in the office in the past and and now that I've been set up and I've created all these home habits, and my life is now a, a lot more flexible than it was, and it's going to be hard to change that. So I'm probably going to be working from home a lot more. Imagine a lot of people are in the same boat. Um, and and thirdly, we we always talked about um, you know moving overseas or living overseas or working overseas for some time, and that's just gone. Like we are never leaving Australia ever. <laughs> <laughs> Even well, I'm not going to I'm not going to step on the USA um, for anything, not even for a holiday for a good ten years. Uh, it has to be disinfected from all the Trump <laughs> stuff. <laughs> and maybe maybe in a decade we'll go back, but there's it's an embargo on the US, and all question of what's next. Poor US.
1: For any of our yeah. American listeners, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah. We won't be shaking yeah. your hand. All three of them, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, um,
2: but from an investing point of view, look. This has been been the second big panic I've lived through, um, and I've been happy with my reaction to this one. The first one was was proper panic, proper panic, and this one I feel as I've learned from the from the GFC, and I think I I'm, I'm pretty happy with with the way things went this time as a team. I think we did really well. We upgraded a heap more stocks this time. We were psychologically ready. We were ready in terms of research, um, and I think that made a lot of difference. Um, what do I do, I guess for me, the importance of management has been, it's more, yeah, I recognize that much more now. I've been a bit flippant about management in the past, and I've paid more attention to business models and economics rather than management. And I'm almost turned around on that. I just think that I've seen too many examples of where management makes all the difference rather than economics or rather than... Uh, business model. I've seen crappy business models where a good manager just blows everyone away and I've seen the opposite. And I think um, a big part of the job ought to be actually identifying really good management. And, and it's a difficult part and probably we haven't paid too much attention to that, but it's certainly much bigger on my list. Um, you can just see from the businesses that have done well, a lot of the reason they have done well and and it um, is Largely come down to management behavior. Um, I think it's hugely important and probably
1: underrecognized. It's a great point. They they seem to come up with just hidden sources of upside, That's and it, right, yeah. yeah.
2: And none of none of that is really on the P and L or the balance sheet. Like it, it it doesn't get priced adequately. I I don't think. Like Levisa, mm. like that deal, it just instantly gave them um, another leg of growth for the cost of nothing thirty bucks mm. or something. Um, and there are there, are, there are a number. I mean, Macquarie Telecom. I mean, that is a, another example of of following management well. Um, Infratel, Aussie Broadband. Like I just there, the, the time and time again, I look at the year and the stocks. Mineral Resources, another one, right? Like, um, the team didn't like it because on on, and I understand why on the numbers it didn't it didn't look like a very good business. But um, and it's hard to make the case for an investment case based on very good management because. It's a case almost based on faith, and it's hard to convince others. Um, but yeah, if you can identify these businesses with superior management, that, that I think that's worth something. Definitely, yeah, for sure, yeah. Now, f- finally, gents, um, let's finish this off uh, by looking at twenty twenty one. We've all got um, a long list of stocks to get through for January. We don't get much of a break. I think we've got a couple of weeks off and then we're back to it. I've certainly got a long list. I just want to get a feel from you guys about what stock you are very excited about covering or looking at for 2021. Maybe you know it, maybe you don't, but you're just keen to get your teeth into it. Mickey, what's yours?
1: Um, well, I don't know. I mean, I reckon, I reckon all the opportunities are gone now.
2: Oh um. no. <laughs> I think someone just lost their yeah. job. No, I yeah.
1: think um I think uh I, look I'm I'm gonna take a look at a company called uh E Road. Um yeah, you which... beat me to
2: it. I had that one on my list as well. And then oh, I saw really? few, you, you were I saw your name on the calendar with it and I thought all oh,
1: oh, right yeah, no, I've it. I've um I've actually been uh bugging um uh Nate to let me look at it for quite a while because 'cause I, I've had a few other things going on with the banks and stuff, but um Uh, yeah, so I've finally gotten around to it, um, this week and I've done a, done a fair bit of work on it. Um, and it looks, um, interesting, but I, you know, I, I don't know, um, what we're going to do yet, uh, with it, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's an interesting business. It, it, so the, the company does, um, uh, it, um, it collects road, road user charges in New Zealand and it, so it's like a little piece of hardware that goes inside of trucks, uh, and, um, and it basically collects road user charges and also helps with asset tracking and, um, managing, you know, your, your trucking fleet. And, and they've kind of got some aspirations to go, uh, into the U S and that, well, they are in the U S and they are growing, um, quite quickly. So it's another one of those interesting software businesses that we've kind of been covering, um, of late. So, um, yeah, so have to take a look at that and. And uh, um, and and but not quite finished on it yet. So. Yeah,
2: I, I've had a quick look at that. I think it looks really interesting as well. It, it's done very well in New Zealand, and I've almost got a rule now where you've, if you've got a New Zealand software business that's done well in New Zealand and is listed here, it almost you know, it has to get uh, a look in. And so I've got a similar one to that. Mine is Plexure. Plexure, I think I got that right. Hard name, but but very interesting business. So these guys actually run McDonald's global app. And um, the whole focus of the business is trying to uh, create marketing opportunities um, through um, a a retail outlet's app and to drive traffic back into the store. So it's trying to create a connection between an online and a retail um, shopping and and getting people who are only looking at online to get into the retail stores. The stats suggest that they actually – um, contribute to a much higher basket size and more trips to physical stores they've got a really good client list and it's currently unprofitable but um the technology is great i think management's fantastic and they've they've built a really interesting little business so i'm going to be covering that in the new year and i'm super excited about it mm. the other one I've, I've already done but i was super excited about was universal store which no one else seemed to like at all but i still think it's quite interesting um retailers are always tricky um fashion retailers are the hardest of all and this is a, a, a it can be a tricky business i think it's superbly managed and, and i've written um a little review of it i'll have another look in february when it reports but i think that's interesting too
1: actually um one one other business i was interested in i haven't gotten around to it i don't know if we've reviewed it in the past was Collins foods um oh, yeah. we have done in the
2: past but not for a while
1: yeah i've got a terrific track record and it's mm. you know it does kfc and i've got to say i've got a pretty soft spot for kfc so <laughs> i mean um... got to do some research on that? <laughs> i
2: think we need a field trip an analyst day trip oh Go sounds good
1: to me um company sponsored i yep. think they're actually bringing taco bell over here as well so i mean covering that would just be a delight um but uh, yeah, Are no. Think...
2: Reminding me, Mickey, the, the stock I'm waiting for. I've I've talked about this to everyone on the team. For I've probably talked to ears off about it. But Guzman and Gomez, um, <laughs> I think that they're preparing for listing for 2021. I'm all over that. I want I want in. I already I'm already saying it. I want in. I think it's a fantastic business. I've been following the founder for a while. Um, the sponsoring PE firm is one I really respect, and I think that business has real legs. So. When that lists, um, I will be definitely writing a review on that. And if.
1: And definitely buying it. I'll be buying it price.
2: myself. If I can convince the other guys, um, there'll be a, a buy record on it too. JC, we should let you get a word in here. I've been
0: patient anyway. What, what yeah, sorry, do yeah. you like, JC? <laughs> oh, well, actually, Guzman's good for me. They, they've got their uh, their vegan uh, wraps, you know, um, they've got a veggie based thing. And you ask for it without cheese. It goes well. Love it. Um, so I'm uh, I'm onto Breville, um, is oh, is oh, yeah. uh, is one I'm looking at. And it actually, only came at sent an email round about it this morning, saying, "Does anyone want to have a look?" And I think, look, I don't want to prejudge it, but it's at current prices, it looks pretty. It's always looked expensive, and yeah, that's the thing. And is, and yeah. and you know, uh, but it's one that I mean, it's a really really good business, and uh, it's one that we it's worth having a handle on. As we said earlier, you, you've got to understand these businesses well um, so that if and when an opportunity does arise, um, you're in a position to take it. So I'm, I'm keen to get my teeth into that. And who knows? Maybe um, maybe it's worth paying up.
2: Hmm. Nice
1: yeah. one. There's a lot of, that, lot of interesting yeah. stocks, though. I mean, there's still plenty that... Um, I was kind of kidding before, actually. I mean, there's, there's, there actually is still quite a lot of stocks that still look quite cheap even now, um, particularly, I think, in the small, smaller cap. Um, yeah. Range, but yeah.
2: Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, I think we're all f- still finding opportunity, gents. We better we better let uh, the good folks go now. I think uh, we've we've chatted long enough. Um, thank you for your for your time and for all your efforts um, during the year, JC um, and Mickey.
1: Well, and you. Yes, yeah, and and yeah. thank you, listeners, for letting us pat ourselves on the back for a whole podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Um, we should also thank our producer, Stephanie, who spends um, time every week or second week or sometimes third week um, to make us sound good, and yeah, we'd sound pretty terrible without that. Do you, you guys don't hear all the interruptions, the pauses, yeah. the ums and the ahs? and that's because of... Uh, they of hear
0: quite a lot of the ums and the r's, I think, but, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> I think it could be,
2: a, could be a whole lot worse. It could be worse, hey, I know. Oh, I just imagine. <laughs> um, also, the swearing, she cuts out all of that as well. I think <laughs> yeah. she
1: leaves oh. it in in your case most oh, of the no. time. But. It gets pretty filthy sometimes,
2: and thank you for, Save for all, all yourself. That. <laughs> Never from JC, of course. Yeah. And thank you for all our listeners and all our subscribers. Um, we, you know, feel very lucky that uh, we can in, invest for a living, and, and glad to have you all on board. Um, it's a great you, job to
0: have in a pandemic. I say that. Oh,
2: absolutely. Wasn't it just? Yeah. Um, but uh, look, if, if you enjoy the podcast, um, I think we're on Apple and other platforms, Spotify as well. Um, so we, we want to try and, and get more people onto it. So, um, I don't know what you have to do to, if, if you write a review or press the stars, uh, for, for likes, uh, you can clearly see, I don't know <laughs> how to get this done, but, but whatever you have to do, if you can do it, that would be, that'd be great. Um, and we can get more, more listeners on board. We're going to try and do, um, more podcasts next year. Um, and, uh, guys, I'm just telling you now, I want to try and get some other guests on board because. Feel as though the three of us might be getting a bit bit dull, so we'll see how we go next year.
1: Yeah. Well. Um. Yeah. I'm sorry. We have to drop you from the podcast, Gaurav. Okay. Well. Um. Happy
2: Christmas to everyone. Um. And we'll see you back in January. Thanks for listening.